When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. You know, I've been thinking a lot about asking for help and I'm actually even trying to practice it right now myself. Um, And last night I asked my husband, like, I think I just need some help. I need help getting some time for myself this evening. And he did the dishes, he cooked dinner, and he made lunch. Normally we split those tasks up where like whoever cooks dinner also makes kiddos lunch and then whoever washes dishes preps coffee and we like split those up last night he did like three out of the four of those things which gave me time to shower kind of do skincare do like a luxurious like lotion routine and it just made me feel so loved and so supported and I was really burnt out yesterday like I was so stressed and I was very nervous to ask for help for some reason. And then the amount of relief just from like those extra couple of hours, really like an extra hour, I mean, well worth it, you know? And it's like so easy to do that for a partner, but so hard sometimes to ask for that in return. And I also noticed last night another need that he met, like, I don't know if you guys experience this where there are things where you just kind of do things differently and it frustrates me. So like sometimes like my husband will do something and it'll frustrate me the way he does it, even though it's kind of a neutral activity and you know, I'm sure vice versa. But like one of the things he does is like when he cooks, he'll throw the like vegetable scraps or like the fruit scraps into the sink with the intention of cleaning them out later, you know, just like taking them out, but he just like puts them all there and then we'll like transfer them to the compost. But the problem is that he'll like forget he did that and then I'll go to wash dishes. And for whatever reason, it just really icks me out. Um, It just really grosses me out, like the act of scooping out fruit and veg. And then I get really stressed about like asking because I usually wait to do dishes when he's doing bedtime routine and I don't want to like interrupt bedtime routine. And so, I mean, this is probably, we've probably had like four conversations about this of me just being like, hey, reminder, this is something that really like makes me mad. <laughs> and I think that there, at one point we, you know, it started out with me being like, hey, this kind of grosses me out. 
And then the second time I was like, hey, this is really frustrating for me. And the third time I was like, listen, I've had it. <laughs> I, I listened to this podcast called I've Had It. And so I was like using their language, like I've had it. This is an issue for the Supreme Court. Like I have, it is fully gone. This is out of control, you know, just kind of being funny. But um, last night I went into the kitchen and I saw he had put what I use, which is the this giant metal bowl that we have. Um, I use that as my compost bin on the counter when I'm cooking and then I'll just put it all in the compost after. And he had put the compost bowl in the sink so that he could still do it his way, but then just kind of pull the bowl out. And I was like, I've literally never felt more loved. I know that's like the silliest, littlest thing, but the I'm like getting emotional about it right now. <laughs> and I think it's because of like what we're going to talk about today and just like how vulnerable it is to ask for help and how if that bid for connection, that big bid for support is rejected, how much like wounding can occur um and so just to feel like that was taken seriously I want to but I also want to say like it took time you know and I think that that's the same thing in reverse for me like he is a four he's emotional he has big feelings I they freak me out man like they really do and I love him so much I love how emotional he is I love his like access to emotionality. It teaches me so much. It grows me so much. But I am still, you know, almost 10 years into our relationship learning how to be with his feelings. And I feel like I had like a breakthrough this week where I was like, oh, you just need me to to see them because what happens sometimes with our fours and we'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute is that they tell themselves really strong stories about the feelings they're having right so the feelings become the truth in their mind and it's very convincing if they they tell it like for my husband he'll tell me how he's feeling as if it's like fact and then i start to believe him and then I and I get swept up into his emotions too. Instead of like, whoa, I'm I can separate the story from his feelings and validate the feelings without agreeing with the story. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But I mean, I'm still learning this years and years later. And so I think sometimes when we think about asking for help, we get caught up in well, I asked and they didn't do it the way that I wanted to do it. They didn't do it right away. It, it, I don't want to have to ask twice. But part of a relationship with others and community with others is growth and is training people on how to love you. And we don't just kind of come out being able to read minds or being able to predict what people need. We have to be taught but then even post being taught, there's our own stuff that gets in the way of our ability to show up. And so yes, we like learn, and then we have to build in the muscle memory of how to show up for people. But I think having people who are dedicated to learning and growing is what's important more than they got it perfect the first time. 
just my thoughts on the topic. But that kind of brings us in pretty strongly to the topic of today, if not we're in the middle of it already, um, which is asking for help by Enneagram type. So if you listen to Monday's episode, we talked about the illusion of self-reliance, and today we're going to break down how this can show up by type. So we'll talk through the signs that you may need to ask for help, what can get in your way of asking for help, why that's silly, and then tips for being patient with each type when they ask you for help. So let's start off with our type ones. The signs that you should or need to ask for help is really like despair. Most type ones like hit this point where they're, it's like, this is a breaking point. All hope is lost. I am in the pits of despair. You know, if you think about like the lower levels of type four of just, you know, maybe shame or fear or, um, fear that you're bad or something's wrong with you, getting caught up in like nothing's going to work out and no one's coming to rescue me. So what gets in the way of you asking for help? For type ones, often it's a sense of self-reliance, a fear that like you should be able to handle it. So asking for help is like admitting you can't handle something you should be able to handle. Um, A fear that someone might not do it right a fear that they might not see you as capable anymore or they might not see you as able to handle it all. So let's talk about why that's a little bit silly, right? Like this is the fear and I want to like honor that fear, but like let's also explore why we can let that go. Sometimes like you just have to release. You have to let some stuff go or you're going to explode. And I think the ones like know what I'm talking about, where it's like everything feels so precious, everything feels fragile, like um, everything feels equally important. It can be hard to prioritize because everything is urgent, everything is serious. And at some point, like you can't hold that much. You have to eventually release something, let someone take care of something, imperfectly or not so that you can just like get through the day. And I think one of the most helpful practices to do as a one is to regularly check in with the expectations that you have for yourself and go, where can I lower these expectations? Okay, I made up my weekly to-do list. What on this weekly to-do list is actually not essential? And then just take it off your list because you're more inclined to overdo than to underdo and you should question that you know be there's a healthy skepticism of that so allow yourself to ask for help allow those people to do it a little bit imperfectly and trust that you're still doing like 10 times more than most people do in a day and that you don't even have to do that to be worthy that's not even necessary to be worthy you could lay on the couch all day long and still be worthy but you can ask for help. Let something go so you don't explode. And then if you're supporting a type one, a really solid tip on how to help them is to pay attention to how they do it and do it that way. Or for extra credit, when they say, hey, I really need help with this, go, okay, awesome. Is there anything about this step that you're really particular about? You, I just like the amount of love that they will feel if you go, what about this do you feel really particular about and then do it that way? Uh, 
it's it's just going to show them how safe they are to be loved by you and how much they can trust you to handle things. Type two, signs that you need to ask for help, anger and resentment. You're washing the dishes and you're just like, I am so tired of being the only one who washes the dishes that you need to ask for some help. That's the moment. Stop what you're doing. <laughs> ask for some help. Now, what gets in the way is a fear of losing that relationship or being a burden on that relationship. You know, twos are so relational and have learned throughout their lives that that relationship isn't just inherent, that they have to earn that relationship by service and flattery and making the other person feel good and not just being who they are. So if, if you, that's how you earn that relationship, then asking for help potentially, potentially in your mind puts that relationship at risk. Now that's silly, obviously, because relationships have to go both ways or it's not a relationship. At that point, you're just like in servitude and you have like little people who boss you around, <laughs> which isn't what they want. I don't think most people in relationship with you want that. They want you to show up as an equal. And so asking for help allows you to show up as an equal, allows you guys to be both giving and receiving. And if you have a two in your life, a tip here is to pay attention to what they do for you because that's likely they're likely giving you what they're hoping to receive but to see their anger as a cry for help if they're getting irritable or resentful or frustrated you know pause and kind of let them have that experience and be like hey let's talk about what i can do to help you um my husband does this all the time <laughs> when i'm feeling grumpy or like irritated about like all the things that i have to do around the house he'll go like okay let's pause what can I do? What can I take on for you? What can we not stress over? What's not important? And just like organize those thoughts and release them of some pressure that maybe they feel like they have to be there for you and you don't actually need or want them to be there for you in that way. Release that pressure, um, offer them space to be triggered, but then invite them into, you know, a place of, hey, let me let me love you. You have to like let me show you I love you because a lot of times what twos will do is they'll prevent their ability to receive love because they're so intent on giving it that they cut off the opportunity to be shown that it that they're loved and then continue to exhaust themselves giving love out of hope of receiving more love without communicating that they need to be shown more love and without allowing space to receive that love see and it becomes like this really repetitive cycle where the two is constantly pouring out not ever getting poured into even if there are people in their life who actively desire to love them desire to show them that they love them so see their anger as a cry for help type three signs that you might need to ask for help is when you go into shut down mode so type threes often do this like roller coaster thing where they like go really 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 hard and then they crash um maybe they spend a few days like watching just watching tv or they don't have the energy to like work on the things that they normally are obsessing over or like overachieving in that's the sign right it's time to ask for some support 
But what gets in the way of that is the fear of being seen as not being able to handle it all. You know, um, threes feel a pressure to be excellent in every area of their life. So that includes their partnerships and their community and sometimes the willingness to be vulnerable enough to be seen in the fact that they cannot handle all of it, it breaks up the illusion that they want to create that they are incredibly capable and successful in every area. And sometimes like you just need relationships in your life. I mean, every single three needs at least one relationship in their life where they just let that go. They let that guard down. They're willing to see be seen as a failure. They're willing to kind of be self obviously like here's everything that's like wrong with me in my life right now. Here's where I feel like I'm failing. You know, just let it out. It's like unzipping your pants, you know, like just like let it go because you need that space where you can be loved in that. You can be loved in not being able to do it all. So let's get into why that's silly. Um, Obviously, no one can do it all and no one can do it all well. We're all just out here trying our best and flubbing it up, you know, and the more you accept that, the more you let people see that and you allow people to love you in that, the more free you are going to feel. And the more you allow people to help you, the easier it's going to be to do the things that you really are passionate about as well as you intend to do them. And then tips for people who are wanting to help out a three, encourage frivolity and rest. Um, See through their overdoing it into their need for rest. So sometimes that three character trait can show up like over-functioning on a day where they actually need to be under-functioning. So they're like hyping up and doing more. And then, then the crash really hits. And the crash might hit when it really shouldn't be hitting, right? So like, let's say on the weekend, our threes have two days to rest, but because they're so stressed and they're so afraid of rest, they will over-function all weekend. And then Monday, maybe they have something they really need that energy for, but it's not there because they gave it up on the weekend because they were so afraid of admitting that they needed to slow down. And so if you see them ramping up, at a time where ramping up isn't necessary, call them out and be like, hey, are we avoiding rest? Are we trying to prove something, (laughs) you know? And just encourage them to take rest, even if it's uncomfy, even if it doesn't feel earned, even if it doesn't feel valued, and set goals with them for rest, for ease. All right, type four, signs that you need to ask for help (laughs) is you become people pleasing and flattering and and often this comes from a place of like desiring a sense of belonging and feeling like you don't know how to get that and maybe you're also wanting to get a need met but you don't know how to ask for that need directly for some reason now here's the other crazy thing about our fours it's because I, I, I pulled my audience and was like, hey, what, what causes you to not ask for help? Well, there were two common answers. And I'm going to be honest, I experienced both of these with my darling husband. One being like, I don't want to be 
you know, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be difficult. I don't want to be hard to be around. You know, my husband feels like this pressure to be easy to get along with, right? Just similar to a nine, except very, very different in expression. But because they, they don't trust that people, that they have a, a place of belonging, they don't trust that they fit in. And so almost like scare, it's scary to push those relationships, you know? But then there's the other side, which is the for desiring a rescuer and wanting someone to come in and just take care of everything. And so almost overly relying on people for help. And I can tell you like these two things can exist in equal measure. This like absolute avoidance of asking for help and this like over-reliance. And I would say like probably the safety of the relationship is going to determine which one you're going to. I don't know if Forrest can tell me what you think about that, but that's my impression. So yes, in some ways, like what gets in the way is the fear of being seen as flawed or not, or like too much, but also in relationship, overly relying on other people out of fear that you can't handle what life has to offer. So that's silly, (laughs) right? Because the people who will love you are going to love you no matter how much you need from them, right? Like they're going to be there for you. And I think a lot of times this four character trait, this four coping mechanism gets formed out of perceived evidence that that's not true, that people will not unconditionally love you, that people will abandon you. And so we have to kind of rewrite a new story. And the only way to rewrite that story is to take different action. So if you've continuously people pleased and you know, not ask for what you need and tried to be like not too much for certain relationships. Well, you need to start finding relationships where you feel safe to be a little too much and know that they're going to love you anyway. Start with one person, maybe another, you know, let that be okay. And then trust that if people abandon you or like leave because you've been fully yourself, maybe that's not the right relationship for you. And that's okay. But additionally, we're working on building our sense of like competence, not competence, like you know, you're, you are competent, but building your sense of like right action and trusting that you will do what you need to do for yourself in order to prove to yourself that you can be trusted to not abandon you as well. And so just like you are working on asking help from others, you also kind of need to work on asking help from yourself and saying like, I have things that I really need from me and I need to prove that I'm going to show up for myself even when I feel like I'm not the right one. I can't handle it because you absolutely can. So it's, it's tricky for y'all because you do need to find that sense of both. Now, why is it silly that you don't ask for help? Because needing help isn't a weakness. The right people will not freak out and will not run away. You're, you can, you're fine. Um, now tips for supporting a type four, um, like we talked about, ignore the stories and offer them validation for the feeling. So what can happen sometimes is our fours can get caught up in their feelings and believing them as facts. So 
if I feel like I want to be a teacher, but I think, oh, I'm not qualified. I'll never be a teacher. I, you know, and we're telling us these feelings, this fear is what's really happening is you're afraid of not being a teacher. Instead of saying, I'm never going to be a teacher. I won't be able to do that. You say, you, you really need to say like, I'm afraid I'll never be a teacher. But sometimes that's hard, right? Sometimes we're in the thick of it. And when we're triggered, we don't always respond. We don't always have like full control over like the way we speak to ourselves and our language. And as a partner or someone in community with this, we can go, we can either take path one, which is like, oh my gosh, they're never going to be a teacher. They really don't care. They're not going to try. They don't, they're not passionate about this. Like they don't, they're not qualified. You start to believe the stories with them and get swept up. Or like we talked about earlier, like separating them and saying, oh wow, they're afraid. They're feeling afraid. And just kind of saying like, oh wow, you're feeling like really afraid of not being able to be a teacher. That's a really hard feeling. Instead of like trying to fix that feeling or trying to tell them, because what's happening a lot of times, right, is they'll say like, I'm not good enough to be a teacher. And the impulse for a lot of us is to go, yes, you are. Here's all the ways that you're qualified. Here's all the ways that you're perfect for this job. Like you have to have hope. Don't, don't go into despair. But that actually like almost does the opposite of what we would hope it would do for our force. Cause what we really want to do is like co-regulate and like validate. <clears throat> but that can be really scary when they're in the pit of despair and they're telling like stories as if they're facts. Because it feels like, oh, I'm validating this lie you're telling yourself about how like terrible you are. And if I validate that lie, then I'm not being a good friend. But instead you can say, okay, like I hear, you can like find the feeling beneath the story and validate the feeling. And then when they're out of fight or flight mode, debate the story, kind of say, hey, I heard you say this. I just want to like give you evidence that that's not true. But we're not going to be able to do that when they're in like fight or flight mode, when they're in that space of like, I'm never, I'm always, I'm bad. You know, you, you want to hold the space for the feeling and the trigger and then later have the conversation around, hey, I heard some stories and I love you and I just need to like disagree, <laughs> you know. So that's, that's how we can support our fours. Type five, signs that you need to ask for help. Is you're feeling like scattered or overwhelmed. Things that get in the way of you asking for help is the fear of expressing your needs or fear of other people intruding upon you. So if I ask for help, then I'm like indebted or I am then like exposing myself or I'm opening myself up to feedback in a way that I don't really want. Like maybe I have a very specific thing you need help with and you don't want just like everybody coming in and like taking from your energy or taking from your space. And at the same time, you know, fives are trained to not have needs. You know, it's better to be seen and not heard. And so they tend to go without and minimize their needs instead of asking for support. That's silly, right? Because literally, the opposite is true for you. Like when it comes to the fear of intrusion, like you have the strongest boundaries of anyone on the Enneagram. And then when it comes to not needing to have needs, that's silly, right? Because everyone has needs. We all have things that we need from other people. It's the most normal thing in the world. Giving and taking is the part of that's how a relationship occurs. And you need to build the practice of allowing yourself to be a teeny, teeny bit needy so that people can show you that they even love you. And it's important. 
And when you're trying to support a type five, you know, be persistent in offering support, but give them plenty of space. So give them an energy of like, hey, let me know if you need anything. Hey, I noticed this. Is that something that you would like support with? And then like, don't give that, don't like make them feel intruded upon. Give them plenty of like space and ease. Remind them that it's okay to have needs, but also like come, they can do it in their timing. Type six signs that you need support is you become competitive and complaining. So maybe you start to feel like, oh, someone else got a job interview that you wanted, or your boss isn't doing the job that you wish they would do, or you're starting to feel like you hear yourself kind of complaining about the same thing over and over and over again. What gets in the way of you asking for help is maybe you've asked a lot of questions in the past, like you've asked for help in regard to doing the things that you need to do for others. And so you feel like I can't keep asking more questions even though this is something that I need done for me. And then also you feel like you should be able to handle it alone. Like you should be, like you're afraid of being seen as incapable. Now that's silly, right? Because of course you wanna build self-trust, but when you're overburdened, that's the time to cash in on your goodwill. Like you do so much for other people. You're always there for people. You show up for people. And this is the time to let them show up for you. Like if you hear yourself complaining, that means you're not asking for enough help. You're not letting yourself be supported. You're expecting to be like constantly pouring out and not getting anything in return. And that's not how it works. This is the time when you feel like, okay, I'm in a rut here. I need, to, I need someone to help me. And this is like the time to ask for support. And then if you were wanting to help a type six, hear their complaining and raise them an invitation for change. So sixes can kind of get caught up in comfort zones and patterns. And so sometimes the sense of like suffering can be more comfortable than actually taking the risk to change it. So maybe they're in a position at work or at home or they're just kind of like constantly overdoing it, constantly feeling taken advantage of or unappreciated. Like being able to say like, hey, I hear this pattern and I just want to like invite you into action. Like what would be the next step to breaking that pattern? How can we create a new pattern here? All right, type seven signs that you need to ask for help you become critical and perfectionistic or even like rigid and inflexible what gets in the way is the fear of being let down um so sevens right learned this message early on that they can only rely on themselves and they find that evidence everywhere and so if you're asking for help and someone lets you down it's like mm -hmm, i knew it i can only rely on myself so that's there but then there's also the fear of owing someone or having to manage people like being indebted to somebody else or even like if i ask for help then like i am taking on more responsibility and that's not something i want right now um so that being said that's silly right because you can establish expectations up front and say here's what i need what would that feel like to you what would like an equal exchange feel like to you and then sometimes friends that's just what community is is sometimes it's a little uneven sometimes people are going to let you down sometimes you are going to have to show up when you don't feel like showing up because that's what love is 
and we just sometimes sacrifice for each other and you don't have to like keep it like score for score but you're gonna have to sacrifice sometimes and you're gonna have to let people sacrifice for you sometimes because that is what love is and tips for that if you want to help out a seven listen you're gonna have to have some wherewithal um they may be resistant but just stay with them and just push it you know and and encourage it and say hey you know pry a little if they're like everything's fine everything seems a little too fine (laughs) you know pry with them um offer help be persistent all right type eight signs that you might need to ask for help or if you go into isolation you push people away you kind of go into your privacy things that get in the way of you asking for help is a fear of looking weak that's silly because it's actually less weak to ask for help because that's much harder for you so actually taking the strong route is the weaker route because being vulnerable is harder so when you're vulnerable you're actually being strong Fun fact. And then if you want to support an eight, tips for you is that they might resist, right? But the most helpful thing to do is to power up, like come into it as a strong leader that they can trust and to defer to. If you come into it with like softness and gentleness and like, I'm I'm willing to help if you want, you know, if you approach it like I'm telling you to approach a five, this eight is not going to trust you for salt and they're just going to feel like they have to handle everything. But if you come into it and you say, like, let me tell you a story about a time that my husband had to tame my eight wing. We had a day where my car had broken down in another city. I needed to drive and pick it up. And my brain went, it's not logical, right? That we all go, but I really don't, I, I don't, I didn't have like a sense that I didn't want to do it alone. I more so felt like, I need him to come. And when he was like, I don't know if I can go, I was mad. Like I responded with like, well, I need you to go, you know, instead of being vulnerable and saying like, I just don't want to do this alone, honestly. Like I really just need your support, which he would have responded beautifully to. I was like, well, this is what like partners do for each other, you know? But so I led with strength. But it wasn't until I was able to be vulnerable that he was able to step up. And when I was kind of like, honestly, I just need you to take care of me right now. And then it was like almost like a light bulb switched in him and he took over and he was like, okay, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go pack a bag for our kid. I need you to go, you know, and he was like giving me directions, which is a real um, role reversal. (laughs) I'm like, I'm the assertive one, you know? And so he like took that on and embodied that. And then I immediately trusted him and felt supported and safe and it's almost like you know he stepped in with strength so that like eight and me could then step back and be soft and be taken care of and and that's very rare for personality types that are so used to having to lead and if an eight especially is looking for weakness in leadership so that you know, it's almost like um, self-fulfilling prophecy that like, okay, leadership is weak. I have to show up. And so you have to show up with strength. You have to say like, no, you need to do this. You need to let me take care of you. I'm going to need you to go sit down right now. I've got this and maybe I won't do it the way that you'll do it, but I will do it well and you will like it. (laughs) 
and meet them with strength so that they can find ease. Finally, type nine signs that you need to ask for help are if you're experiencing a lot of anxiety or fear of the future. Things that get in the way of your ability to ask for help is fear of not being important enough to be helped or a fear of being a burden to others. That's silly because we literally love you. (laughs) You matter so much and you never get that to be shown to you unless you ask. Right? You never can be really able to see and experience that you do matter enough for us to show up for you if you don't ask us to show up for you. And so you'll continuously receive the same message that you are unimportant, that people don't notice if you don't exist, because you don't let us show you that it does matter that you exist. Tips for people who want to show up for a nine. Be careful not to just like do things for them, right? not to take over their life, but instead ask really good questions and sit patiently listening to the full response. Don't interrupt, let them ramble, invite them into more rambling, let them talk about themselves and just like sit. Don't interrupt, count to three at the end of every sentence so that you can just like make sure that they have plenty of time to like linger on their thoughts and really make sense of what's going on in their mind because right the sign that they need help is they're feeling anxious and worried about the future typically and so they need someone to hold that space for them they don't need someone to come in and fix their problems for them to take over for them to like create all the solutions for them they need help prioritizing and coming up with a plan to do it themselves Finally, listen, I know these episodes where I go through every single Enneagram type can be a bit repetitive, but sometimes it's really helpful to just like have our type spoken to specifically. If you've been listening to the pod and you have ideas about what would make going through each of the types more engaging, I would love to hear. Like if you're listening and you're like, oh, I wish you would just do this, please tell me. I would love to know. I'm inviting that conversation in. Um, and just DM me at Instagram um, at Sarah Jane Case. And as always, it is an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I will see you Friday for the next one. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.